Hey everybody, this is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries and the Missions Community. I am Steve Hutto and this is the Steve Hutto Podcast. I want to thank you for stopping by and listening to my latest podcast on the site here. Today we're going to be talking about something that is very specific uh, to the time of year uh, that we're in at the time of this recording. It's something that is very significant, not only uh, in December or around Christmas time, but all the time. But I wanted to introduce this two-part teaching around the 1st of December, and we're going to talk about what's so significant about Jesus' birth. We're going to start by going to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, this is a prophecy of God through Isaiah, and it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin would be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And then over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Isaiah's prophecy is brought up again by an angel that visits Joseph, the future uh, husband of Mary. Matthew 1, 23 Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, it takes it a little bit further here, which translated means God with us. This is very significant here, because what the prophecy is saying is that God will come to the earth at some point. God will visit earth. He will visit his people at some point in the future. And just before this took place is when the angel appeared to Joseph and gave him this prophecy. I'll talk more about that later on in the teaching. But I want you to see something here, and I want you to to take it to heart. Even make a note of it if you want to. This is something that is very significant, and this is this. The way Jesus came determines who Jesus is. You could put that another way, how he came to the earth, which fortunately for you and me on this side of the cross, he's already come. But how he came determines what he is. So the way he came or how he came determines who and what Jesus is. Now we're going to look at a passage, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. It's going to be several verses, but we're going to break them up a little bit. Luke chapter 1, 26 Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God from a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now let me just say something here before I move on, and it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel showed up to the virgin Mary. Now this was not the sixth month of the year, but it was the sixth month of her elderly cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. This is very significant. And Elizabeth and Zacharias, who became the parents in a miraculous way of John the Baptist, was now six months pregnant. And so with John the Baptist's parents, both of them were well beyond childbearing age, and Elizabeth, get this, had been barren all of her life. So that when it was told them they're going to have a son, which they did, it was a miracle. And the thing about it is, Jesus referred to John the Baptist, who was the child, as by saying, uh, among 
people born of women, there's no one that's ever been born greater than John the Baptist. Nonetheless, he who or she who is uh, a part of the kingdom of God is greater than even John the Baptist. But the point I want you to see here is that John the Baptist was considered the greatest human being ever born of the flesh from a man and a woman, John the Baptist. He was anointed, he was called, he was appointed, even while yet in his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. His calling, his calling and his sole purpose by being miraculously conceived and coming and being born was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. His calling, his, his, um, his function, if you will, was to turn the hearts of Israel back to God, to, her, to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and vice versa. In other words, to make ready the hearts of the people for the coming of Jesus. Remember, Elizabeth now is in her sixth month, and so we're going to see that this angel comes to Mary. But listen, concerning John the Baptist, those who received what he had to say, which the scripture tells us was a, um, he was preaching a baptism, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, turn back to God. Keep the law. And then when Jesus would come, not many months later, or really a few years later when he grew up and he became an adult, but when Jesus would come, more than likely those who received John the Baptist's teaching would also receive Jesus. But also, more than likely, those who rejected John the Baptist would also later reject Jesus. So the angel shows up and he appears to Mary in the sixth month of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, verse 28, And coming in, he, this is Gabriel, said to Mary, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this at this statement, and she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He told her three things. You know, I mean, can you imagine how overwhelming it would have been for an angel to show up with God's glory all over him, and he says what he says, and he tells Mary, "You're gonna do. You, you're gonna. Uh, three things are gonna happen to you. Number one, you're gonna get pregnant. Uh oh, he's speaking to a virgin. Number two, you will have a son, and number three, you will name him Jesus. Number one, you're going to conceive in your womb. Number two, you're gonna have a son. He didn't say you're gonna have a child because you know when you conceive in your womb, you later have a child. He said you're going to have a son." And then the third thing I want to park on just for a few minutes, you will name him Jesus. Now, this is very significant. He said, you will name him Jesus. Now, the word Jesus, we're, we're going to take it from the English because that's what my language is. That's probably what yours is if you're listening to me. And that's what uh, we say in English, the name Jesus. But the name Jesus, the word is an anglicized or English form of Greek it's an English form of the Greek name Iesus found in the New Testament. So Jesus is translated from the Greek, from the Greek word Iesus. Now, Iesus represents the Hebrew Bible name Yeshua. 
So you could say Jesus is translated from the name Yeshua. But get this, Yeshua in turn is a shortened form of the name Yahushua. It's Joshua in the English Bibles. Yahushua. And Yahushua or Yahashua, depends on where you're from, is a compound name that's consisting of two elements. One element is Yahovah. Yahovah means the self-existent one or the ever-living one. Yahweh is in there somewhere. And Yahovah, as you probably know, is Jehovah in the English. And Jehovah, of course, or Yahovah, is the national name of God. Now, the other element making up the compound name Yahashua is Yahsha, and it means to deliver, to save, or to rescue. So this word, Yehovah, combined with Yahsha, which equals Yahashua, means Jehovah who saves. Jehovah who saves. So, so when the, the angel appeared to Mary, Mary was hearing, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jehovah who saves. Wow, isn't that incredible? Now, I want to back out of this so we can see it even more clearly. Again, Yehovah and Yosha compound uh, or t- come together to make a compound name, Yahushua. Yahushua is shortened in Hebrew to Yeshua. Yeshua is translated from Hebrew into Greek to the name Jesus, and Jesus is translated from the Greek into the English Jesus, or if you speak Espanol, Jesus. But my point is, when you say the name Jesus, you're saying Jehovah who saves. Is it any wonder the Bible tells us that when we just mention the name of Jesus in whatever language you speak, that the demons tremble and they shudder? Again, translated from the Hebrew, Jesus means Jehovah who saves. Now in Matthew chapter 1, when the angel visits Joseph, who will be the father of Jesus, uh, the you know the uh, stepfather, if you will, he's going to be the husband of Mary. Uh, when he's talking to Joseph, he says of Mary, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And listen to what he says: for he will save his people from his sins. And you know, a lot of people believe that. When you refer to the name Jesus, if you don't say Yeshua, you're not really saying Jesus. If you don't say it in Hebrew, you're not really saying Jesus. That doesn't really make sense to me. Number one, because back uh, at the Tower of Babel, God confused all the languages on purpose. And from that came all the nations of the world. And Jesus came and died for all of the nations who speak different languages. So in any language... If you speak the name Jesus, you're saying Jehovah who saves. That's incredible. You know, I've heard people talk about, you know, um, there's no other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved other, saved other than the name Yeshua. But it's all of a sudden, out of in the midst of English, they say Hebrew. And, and you're not effectively saying it if you don't do that. Can't be possible. If I say Jesus... 
then the demons tremble because I'm really saying Jehovah who saves. If I say Jesus, then I'm really saying Yahashua, which means Jehovah who saves. So get this. Here's that scripture I mentioned, Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, get this, under heaven. Remember, Jesus came to the earth that has been given among men by which we must be saved. How incredible is that? And some versions add other than the name of Jesus. There it is, Jehovah who saves. Now let's pick up verse 32 as we continue here. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. That's the highest supreme God. So he's going to be called the Son of God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now Mary is listening to all this spectacular information. And then all of a sudden Mary says, uh, uh, Excuse me, Gabriel, I have a question. Very legitimate question. And Mary says, how can this be? How is this going to take place? How am I going to give birth to Jehovah who saves since I am a virgin? You see, Mary, I believe, understood that Gabriel was talking about giving birth to Yahashua, Jehovah who saves. I believe that she did understand that Gabriel was referring to the Messiah. But what Mary did not understand is how is this going to happen? Because she said, I am a virgin. She's never been with a man, doesn't intend on being with a man until after she is married. So Gabriel answers her and says, Mary, you know, I am so glad that you asked that question. This is my paraphrase, but he says, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, that there it is again, the Supreme Highest God will overshadow you. Think about that. The Holy Spirit will come upon Mary. It was nothing immoral. It was nothing kinky. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when he comes, the power of the supreme most high God will come upon you and overshadow you. Now, this is something I want to interject here because we can learn from this. And many of you have learned this from experience. And this is what it is. When the Holy Spirit comes, the power, which is the word dunamis, of the Most High overshadows. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a service, yes, I know that that God is everywhere, but when He manifests Himself in undeniable ways, in intangible ways, when He comes, also comes the power, God's enabling, of the Most High. It overshadows Here's a good example. Jesus, just before he went back, he tells his, tells his disciples before he's taken back up into heaven, he says, but Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and, all, and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What's really happening? The Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost and anyone else since then that's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, the power of the the, the Most High Supreme God also overshadows. 
Now, here's something that I think is incredible, and I believe you will too. The word overshadow there, where he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, the Supreme God, will overshadow you, is a Greek word in the the original Greek language. It means to envelop in a haze of brilliancy. To envelop in a haze of brilliancy. In other words, the Holy Spirit will come upon you Mary and the power of the Most High will envelop you in a haze of brilliancy. Figuratively, figuratively, it means to invest with preternatural influence, which is simply exceeding what is natural or regular. It's God's enabling. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, when He comes upon you, you won't get pregnant, but the power of the Most High will envelop you in a haze of brilliancy, which is God's glory, and things can happen that exceed what is natural or regular. Man, to overshadow. So at some point after that, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. He enveloped her in a haze of glory. And then something that that exceeds or exceeded what is natural or regular took place. You know what that was? The Immaculate Conception. I mean, Jesus was conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go back and say that again. He answered Mary in verse 35 and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And watch this. For that reason, what reason? Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called, here it is, the Son of God. And I'm going to talk about that in in the next teaching in part two. But I will say this, that when you saw Jesus playing in his yard as a child, you saw the Son of God, a human being that was God's Son. No other human had ever been born like him. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now because I want to teach more on that in my next session, part two of what's so significant about Jesus' birth. So let's continue in this passage before we close. Luke chapter 1, verse 36 now. So he's telling Mary all of this information. She asks a legitimate question. He gives an incredible, fantastic answer. And then in verse 36 of Luke chapter 1, Gabriel says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren, here it is, is now in her sixth month. Remember, Gabriel came to see Mary in the sixth month. It was the sixth month of Mary of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy. And then in verse 37, man, does this get good or what? For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. The word nothing there ain't nothing, my friend, (laughs) because it's the Greek word rhema. And we know that rhema is the uncovered word of God, the revealed word of God. It's God speaking through the word directly uh, to a people or a person or a situation. Rhema. So that Greek word, nothing, is rhema, and it means this. There's an alternate translation you could say when when you say what Gabriel said, and that is this, that not any word from God is impossible. 
So Gabriel was standing before Mary, giving her all this information. And then he says, this is what's happened to Elizabeth, which is a miracle. You know that, Mary. She's been barren all of her life, and now she's too old to have kids, but she's six months pregnant. And he says, for nothing or not any word from God will be impossible, just like the one I'm delivering to you. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, she just, she just surrenders. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, two things as I close, as I close two things were needed to happen in order for Jesus to be conceived. Number one, the angel had to bring the word and deliver it to Mary, which he did. And number two, Mary had to receive the word, which she did. And at some point immediately after this, Jesus was conceived in the womb, supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And in my next teaching on what's so significant about Jesus' birth, I'm going to talk about four facts, incredible facts, that substantiate the significance of the birth of Jesus. Make sure you listen to part number two because I want you to understand the significance of how Jesus came to the earth. Because remember, how he came and the way he came determined who and what Jesus is. When you know that, then you know that what he did for you is something that's supernatural and it's eternal, it's irreversible. He came and he took away all of our sins. We'll talk more about that in the next session, part number two. Thanks so much for listening to the Steve Hutto podcast. You have a very blessed day and may God bless you.